Welcome to the Living With Less podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea DeMattis, and I'll be bringing you weekly episodes to encourage and invite you along on this journey of living with less of the things getting in the way of our relationship with Christ. Here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Living With Less podcast. I am so excited to bring my friend and guest on, Lacey Ravelay today. She is a wife and mom, and this episode is actually a very long time coming. Praise the Lord, it is finally here, but we are digging into the cost of grace, and this is a topic that I know is very important. I think it's something that isn't addressed enough. I just felt like she would be such a great person to talk about this with, so she is on here today. So, Lacey, welcome to the show. So happy to have you. Tell us a little bit more about you, and then we'll dig in. Um, Wife and mom, have two boys. We live in Louisiana, and I spend my days chasing kids and chickens and gardening, growing things, hence the homegrown, Mm -hmm. and studying God's Word. Yes, girl. So the cost of grace is, like I said, this is something that I feel like does not get talked about enough. And quite honestly, I think a lot of people walk through their faith, not even really considering that and thinking of that. I think we're so quick, especially in culture right now to go, there's grace for that. I'm giving grace to you. There's grace to cover that, which is true. All of that is true. But there is a cost to that. So I've been excited to unpack this conversation because We know grace was not free. We were bought with a price. Yet again, this has been something that for whatever reason gets sidestepped within our Americanized Christian culture. So I wanted to start out. Can you break down what grace is, why we needed it, and why Jesus had to pay the price for that? And because I know this is something you talk about often, why is his grace sufficient? Well, yeah, there's, and I I think that we get, and I say we as, I'm just going to say that as like a blanket statement for the church. I think we get confused because grace is free. Like it is freely given. We do nothing to earn it, get it, anything. It's all a gift. But we confuse grace is free with like free grace, if that even makes sense. But uh, fun fact is in the, I think it's the King James Version. Grace is mentioned 56 times in the Old Testament and more than 150 times in the New Testament. And it just means favor. Grace is freely giving to us, but it wasn't the cost of it was Mm. the sacrifice of Christ. Mm -hmm. When you really, truly comprehend that our sins put Christ, the only perfect person ever, sinless Christ on a cross, to think that it is something that you just throw around it is disrespectful and not like we're supposed to be reverent and when you're just like you get grace like oprah you know that you get a car from back in the day you get a car i think that's what we think about grace and also it's people confuse grace and mercy Mm-hmm. Break down <laughs> grace and mercy. So grace is something that we don't deserve. And mercy is 
when you deserve one thing, but you like punishment, but you don't get it. Mm -hmm. So God is merciful when he doesn't strike us all down because we are wretched humans, because really that's what we deserve. Yeah. Like we, we deserve the cross, Mm. but in God's mercy, Mm. he provided a, a replacement and it is by grace through faith that we gain salvation. That is so good. Well, and that's the other thing I wanted to talk about too, before we jump into the next part is I think in this conversation of the cost of grace, depending on what you were raised in and also depending on your faith story, I think people view grace differently when truly is in the word of God, there's only one definition of grace that is sufficient for all, but it means the same thing no matter what your walk looked like. And I think a lot of times people get caught up in the grace card or not walking through repentance there. There's grace for that, but then there's no repentance behind it. And I think a lot of that just comes from people not understanding the actual biblical reasoning behind grace and what that came from. I wanted to talk about Isaiah 53, 5. This is one of the best illustrations for us to understand the cross. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. Again, I feel like that is so descriptive and gives a really great picture of the cross that helps us realize, like you said, we deserved the cross. God in his mercy gave a living sacrifice for us. So So what other places in scripture, though, do you share with people who struggle to grasp what took place on the cross or just to show them the magnitude of that? Well, Genesis 3 is where we could go first because the fall happens. Adam and Eve totally disobey and God tells them like there will be a seed that crushes the head of Mm. the serpent. Um, so if you go to John nineteen thirty one, it says, since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him, meaning the thieves. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, Mm. and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it bore witness. His testimony is Mm. true, and he knows that he is telling the truth Mm. that you also may believe. That gives me goosebumps. I know. At the end of 37, and again, another scripture says... They will look on him whom they have pierced. Mm-hmm. And that references um, Zechariah 12. So pierced is a little important mm-hmm. and it's not free. All of this is foretold that he would be pierced, but his bones wouldn't be broken. So I want you to talk a little bit more about in Genesis 3 in detail about the sacrifice that God gave over Adam and Eve. Okay, so Genesis 3, we have the fall, Adam and Eve disobey, and then they hide. We see the first act of mercy when God clothes them, and it's also the first death. But he also, so he says, the Lord in 3.14, it says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put in between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his 
his heel. The offspring is not just Eve's offspring. It would be the whole lineage down to Christ. So even at the third chapter of the first book of the Bible, we're pointed to Christ already mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And I love that because like, I had never studied Genesis until we just did that in our Soul Sisters group. It was incredible to see that. There were several times where I was absolutely, like even talking about it, brought to tears just going, oh my gosh, this is why we have to study all of his word, every single part of it. So I I want to talk about the grace card because I know I mentioned that that's when people just say oh there's grace for that or if somebody is in a, a deep pit of sin that needs to be repentant of what's going on typically people will just go well there's grace for that we all struggle and it gets dismissed and honestly that does such a disservice to the heart of the person that's walking through something you need to turn to the Lord that's how we experience his grace and mercy I feel like in culture especially within the last I'd say five years or so this grace card just constantly gets pulled. People use it to deem their sin permissible. They use it to suppress repentance and they have built false theologies. The big one that I talk about is progressive Christianity. The new one I've heard about is this free grace theology. So for someone that's coming out of this way of living or someone that might be caught up in it, that's listening to this going, that's interesting. I've never thought about the cost of grace before. I've never understood that. How would you lead them to seeing the need for repentance, turning from their sin, and then learning that God's truth is a gift, which means his grace is a gift, which means it it wasn't free. It had to be bought with something. So we all know whenever you're a believer, like we have all been told, die to self, leave our sins behind. So Jesus calls his first disciples in Matthew four. And what he said was, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two more, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother in the boat and all immediately they left the boat and followed him we see these these you know regular old guys fishermen who they leave their old life and they go and follow christ over and over there's plenty of times that jesus says you know take up your cross die to self jesus never says hey let's sit here Mm. in this pit of slop Mm -hmm. nowhere do we get that picture. Mm-hmm. He talks to the woman at the well and no more. Yes. There's plenty of people that say, Jesus ate with sinners. Yes. Yeah, he, he did. did. And But he didn't say, you know, hey, let's go sin together. Or it's cool if you sin. I'm just going to sit here and watch you. That's not, never has that been a thing. And I don't know where people have gotten that. Maybe it's because people have an issue these days with calling sin a sin. Mm-hmm. No one wants to know. Or it's don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Well, that should scare us. Well, and that's also, I do want to say... I know this is a little off topic, but Matthew 7 is where a lot of people get that. Very beginning of Matthew 7, they say, well, it says, do not judge lest you'd like to be judged. Well, what that's actually talking about is do not judge somebody unless you want to be held to the same standard. If I am walking in sin and somebody sees that, or if I see somebody walking in sin, we are to hold one another accountable. Yes. I mean, how lost would we all be? That's, I mean, Matthew 7 and the judging is like, God gave us discernment. We're told Mm -hmm. to discern things. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to judge someone to condemn them Yes, because that's not my job. And Christ would not, God wouldn't put that on us. Mm. That's his job. Christ Mm -hmm. is the final judge. But I'm supposed to discern from what is good and what isn't. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm supposed to turn from what is evil, meaning my own sins, your sins. Like we're not supposed to trip up a brother or cause Mm -hmm. them to stumble. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have people to come alongside us. We're not made for isolation. And if you look at the early church, no disciple was sent out alone. They were sent in pairs to be able to call each other out and Mm. check each other and have accountability. I think that's a good thing for someone if they're sitting here going, okay, I have not ever thought about this before. I've never thought about the cost of grace. I do use the grace card a lot. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway is it is good and it is commanded to have accountability partners. We should have people holding us accountable, um, people that lead us in truth, people that challenge us. That's the biggest thing that if you are sitting in something where you're like, yeah, I, I do need to work on that. Like I do need to take these things before the Lord. Ask someone to come alongside you that you trust that is sound in there walking with the Lord and have them walk alongside you in that. So I want to read a quote from Bonhoeffer. This is from the book, The Cost of Discipleship. I did not finish the book, but the part that I read, it was so good. I'm going to read the quote because he gives such a great contrast between cheap grace and costly grace. So I'm going to read these things for you. It says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. Costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of it, a man will go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy which the merchant will sell all of his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ. For whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. And then he finishes with this part. This is so beautiful, guys. This has left me in puddles of tears. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it is God, the life of his son, Ye were bought with a price, and what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. What I want to talk about now after reading that, and all of this will be in the show notes so you guys can see that, and I'll be sure to have the book linked there too. But for women that are new to their faith, or have been walking with the Lord for years, but have maybe fallen into the trap of this flippant view of grace. I think we're seeing that really big right now in culture. I think women have gotten caught up in an emotional-based relationship with the Lord, which has caused a flippant view of this grace. So how would you encourage them out of this place to really walk firmly and steadfastly with the Lord? Jesus left perfection like God since before the beginning of time, Father, Son, Holy Spirit lived in harmony in paradise. You know, just there was, I don't understand why God would be like, I'm going to create these wretched people and then have to send my son to save them, Mm. but all for his glory. And I think that cheap grace is just that. It's, mm-hmm. it's cheap. Nobody wants to be, mm. nobody wants the cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a disservice to ourselves when we cheapen grace. Mm-hmm. Then the worst part is that we cheapen Christ's sacrifice. Mm. But when we have this view of cheap grace, we miss out on the fullness and the amazingness of Christ. 
And what, when you see it from a giant picture and you look at it as a whole thing of God, like Jesus, God, the Father, Son, and Spirit created everything. And through Genesis to Revelation, all of this happens to bring him glory. When you cheapen it, it cheapens all of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to cheapen heaven. Mm. I want to cheapen my justification, the sanctification. And I specifically don't want to cheapen the glorification. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to stand in glory, like, full-blown, no cheap grace. Like, light as bright as can be. Mm. And we make it small. And it wasn't small. Jesus wasn't just a man that died for us. Mm. He is God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And when we cheapen grace, Mm. you cheapen it all. You Mm -hmm. cheapen the sacrifice, the birth, the foretelling, the creation, the consummation of all of it. And it's a disservice to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then it's a disservice to our brothers and sisters in Christ, because when we constantly just say, oh, it's okay, just sit in your sin, there's grace for that. Even little things, like if we were talking and you confess to me, like, oh, I keep yelling at at my children or my child, or I'm having an attitude with my husband. When I say, oh, there's grace for that, I'm dismissing the conviction that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And who am I to like, no, I am no person to dismiss the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Like shame on me because my first response should be like, okay, let's pray about it. What does scripture say about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can talk about, you know, we can get to the fact that there's grace mm-hmm. and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. There's also repentance and changing our behavior and responding to the conviction. Mm-hmm. So cheap grace cheapens justification, sanctification, mm-hmm. and glorification. And that is a disservice to the church and ourselves. That's really good. I actually didn't think of like in the way you were saying that, that it, it cheapens the whole thing, the whole thing. And man, that is, that's a really, for me specifically, that's a very powerful picture of what that does as a whole. And I think that'll paint a really good picture for everybody listening too. So I also want to talk about this. The church has been under such a microscope in this past year, which honestly, hallelujah, hallelujah. It has been, it has been very hard to watch, but that right there is God's grace to show us what is taking place in the church and what needs to happen within the church. But I want to ask you, what do you think are some of the main things that God has brought to the surface that show how flat teachers have fallen? I'm not saying all teachers. I'm not saying all of these people that have gotten this wrong or have fallen flat on this are false. I'm not saying they all are heretics, but I think people have fallen flat in their teaching at of fear. So I wanted to know what things do you think have been brought to the surface this year for the church? Well, the big shining light is really on the lack of biblical literacy among everyone, like among the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I will say it until I have no air left in my being because we need to hold everything up to scripture. Every time someone says, the Lord gave me a word, oh, well, let me go and see how this lines up with scripture. Or mm. when you hear, I had, on just this past Sunday, I love my pastor. I ask him a million questions, but there was something that he said. And I was like, huh, that didn't like it. I had a question. So I came home and I went to scripture and I dug it out. And I was like, oh, okay, I get what he's, I understood what mm-hmm. he was saying. Mm-hmm. And if not, he's totally okay with me asking him a question because he's like, hey, sometimes we have to clarify what we said. And 
sometimes we misspeak. Mm-hmm. It happens mm-hmm. to all of us. But I think that the craziness of the last year is so much, not even shining light on wolves, which it's done that too, but on like the difference in sheeps and goats, like the sheep, the goats, like, what are y'all doing here? Like y'all could leave our pasture. It's cool. Like it's fine. But there's just a lot of noise and it's Mm -hmm. when you get and when you spend time in the word then you can understand what is noise and what is biblical the great analogy Mm -hmm. of the secret service doesn't study false bills they don't study the counterfeit they study the real stuff so they can spot a counterfeit and i think that we Mm. are remiss to think if we don't see the value in studying the word. I don't need to go study what every false teacher says for me to understand that they're false. I need to go see what God says. So then I can be like, oh, that's, that's crazy. Or that's false. Or maybe they should check themselves. Mm. Or maybe I have to check my heart because I misunderstood something or I remembered it wrong. So yeah, I think that it is a lot of showing us that we don't know our, we don't spend enough time in our Bible. Two more things for the woman that is listening who desires to understand God's word better, but does not know how to begin, where to begin, what would you point her to? Is there a study that you would tell her to do? I was thinking of the Nancy Guthrie Genesis study. I love Nancy. I have not done it, but I know you love her. So I didn't know, is there something of hers that you would tell someone, hey, you're dipping your toes, you're getting into the word, you want to understand, here's a great resource that can help you through that. Other than just Um, opening up their Bible and getting in the word. Yes. I I always think that opening your Bible is good, but I'm not going to lie and say I'm not going, not that I discount the Holy Spirit that would be in anyone or God's ability to save or sanctify anyone from just reading the Bible. It does tell us that faith comes through hearing Mm -hmm. the word of God. Mm-hmm. But to comprehend it, we need help. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just the dictionary because you don't know what a word means. Mm-hmm. I'm not the person to say, oh, yeah, just you read it. Because I don't necessarily yes. think that's always helpful. Yes. Because it could also lead you to think something incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um. So anything with Nancy Guthrie's name on it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I support Nancy Guthrie. I love her. She's really sweet. Her book, Even Better Than Eden, is amazing. I also like The Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin, which kind of takes you through how to study. Mm -hmm. All of her studies are really good. Also, all the ones that I've done. I've done The God of Creation, Sermon on the Mount, and I feel like there's another one. I've done In His Image. It was really good. Yeah, the book In His Image and None Like Him are also both really good books. From there, I think that there's plenty of resources that are really great. I use biblehub.com mm-hmm. and I like it because they will put a parallel verses next to each other You can, so you can oh, see different cool. translations. Mm-hmm. And there's about seven commentaries on there. So you can look up different. And, you know, when seven people say the same thing about mm-hmm. a verse, it's kind of confirming that, you know, oh, I comprehend this a little better. It's free, also free. So... So I thought of one too. I actually just got my first ESV study Bible. I just got it in the mail a couple weeks ago and it has been really helpful. I had had, I had a student study Bible and I actually didn't know there was a difference between like a student study Bible and a regular study Bible. And that has Uh been 
really helpful for me. I love that it gives the introduction. So that way you understand the time and the setting. I also have its uh, Hallman um, handbook. It's an illustrated Bible handbook. It's super small. It's thin, but every book is in there and it has the context. It also has how Christ is represented and there's like maps and things like that. I find it very helpful. Oh, I'll be uh, sure to put that in the notes too then. yeah okay. it's and i have a the bible dictionary is it's kind of large it's, i mean it's bigger than my bible well that's but, really cool though yeah there's maps and sometimes a biblical definition is not the same definition as webster specifically in 2021 when webster is redefining words i just want to read this is from this is from a sermon teaching from Stephen Lawson. And I think that this this is just two sentences, I guess. But when we cheapen grace, this is what we cheapen. Mm. All I am by his grace alone. He chose me. He predestined me. He redeemed me. He reconciled me. He convicted me. He called me. He regenerated me. He indwelt me. He sealed me. He adopted me. He preserved me. He sanctified me. He glorified me. And he's talking about in reference to Revelation 4, that one day we'll throw our crowns at his feet because mm. we do zero to earn a crown and he did it all and we don't deserve it. So when we cheapen his gift, we cheapen it all. I love it. Okay. Where can everybody find you? Share your Instagram and your website. Um, Instagram is lace rab, L A C E R A B. And my website is Lacey Rabelais, L-A-C-E-Y R A B A L A I S dot com. Yes. And you have all oh. kinds of resources and stuff on there too. Yes. There's lots of free resources. <laughs> studies for mamas and their kiddos to dig into mm. and yeah awesome well I'm so glad we finally got to have this conversation I'm so excited to get this out for everybody so thank you for coming on it was thank so you for good. thanks for tuning in to today's episode you can find everything we talked about at chelseadematis.com if you have any questions please reach out over social media I'd love to chat if you enjoyed today's episode and are loving the podcast, I would be so honored if you left a review on iTunes or shared on social media. Your kind words and encouragement mean the world to me, and I pray to continue showing you God's grace over my life as you all journey this out with me. Wherever you find yourself listening today, know that you are fully loved and fully known by God.